The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It's opening day. We are excited. We have lineups. We have a closer getting traded on opening day, no less. Uh, all sorts of chaos. Here to help us sort out, Mike Curlin. We're going to be talking about that momentarily. everybody. Welcome to opening day, the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. Uh, I'm here with Mike Curlin. You can find Mike's work on uh, The Athletic, The SK Playbook, and The Bases Loaded Podcast. You can also follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. That's K-U-R-L-A-N-D. Mike, happy opening day. How's it going? Beyond excited. Very thankful to be on as always. Love chopping up with you, man. And uh, yeah, happy opening day. What happened to the mustache? You had a beautiful mustache at first pitch Arizona. What happened? Beautiful is uh, putting it kindly. My <laughs> wife, my wife happened. I promised her I would shave it after I got back. I only grew it out for Justin Mason and the fellows over there. So nice. Yeah, it was a, it was a definitely, it definitely attracted more people than I anticipated, but it was, it was beautiful and glorious and absolutely annoying, but yeah, it's gone. No, there. there you go. I've, I've got a, you know, facial uh, look that's been was pretty popular in the nineties and my <laughs> wife still likes it. So perfect, man. It, but there you go. Nostalgic feelings is what yeah. it is. It's nostalgia. Yeah. I think it makes me look younger or something. I don't know, but, uh, or hides my face better. Uh, regardless, um, let's fo- focus on baseball. Also, this podcast is brought to you by the good folks at WinBet. We thank them as always, as alluded, we have a trade on opening day. It was a little, it was hinted at last night. It got finalized this morning. A, t- a closer is getting, we think at least a closer is getting traded. Uh, that's Taylor Rogers goes to along with Brent Rooker goes to the Padres uh, in exchange. They get Chris Paddock. They get Emilio Pagan. Uh, this is a pretty big, big trade. And, you know, it's already a shaky closer market. And then you, you shake it up on opening day. It's just wacky. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, I taken, I actually targeted Rogers, my final two OCs of the season as my RP to my second closer. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, okay, the twins made a 180. They're going for it. 
And I'm hopeful that the Padres will let him factor in. I think it could be more like a split deal because they don't have much lefty firepower out of that bullpen. So that kind of right. that's where my concern comes in terms of him being the full time closer. But if he is a high leverage guy, Rogers, that is I'm speaking of, uh, he's a guy that should, I think, at least get some 10, 15, which is still not, not nothing. Just takes away from I mean, he was kind of falling in drafts anyway, all things considered. So maybe instead of getting a really good value, we kind of got what we drafted him as in, towards the end. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is I I wanted him, I was targeting him and didn't get him. Uh at least in at least those late NFBC leagues when we were looking for that uh that uh second closer or in some cases first. Uh like you know, I got I missed out on him on a main event a week ago. Uh I had to settle for Scott Barlow who has his own layer of uncertainty. Thanks to Clay Link pointing out a certain link on mob.com's depth chart there. Uh you know, that's the thing. There, it's there's like 10 closers and dwindling that we that we trust right now yeah i i just it's the you it was one of those things that was supposed to clarify towards the end of draft season slash spring training and it just didn't so yeah. i'm <laughs> i'm all kinds of uh confused yeah uh chris paddock going to minnesota right? do you have any interest no <laughs> not no. at all yeah i guess if you can't get it done in san diego a really great pitcher's ballpark you know it's not gonna be any better and uh in target field, you know, maybe a different coaching staff deals with him, but you know, actually we have a different coaching staff in San Diego and they still saw fit to trade him away. Uh, you know, I, I found it interesting because, you know, every trade that the Padres have been rumored and been like, Hey, please take Eric Cosmer. Please take Eric Cosmer. <laughs> that didn't happen. No. And uh, I, I don't know if, I, I guess he'll, it sounds like a platoon. I've heard rumblings. I think one thing I've read was like Voight will play first base against lefties, allowing maybe, Alfaro and others to DH, but yeah. um, I, I, that's kind of what I'm assuming going into the season. I don't think anyone has any real interest outside the deepest of formats. And now you have to pay attention to, to schedules when it comes to starting Hosmer, unless you're desperate, which sometimes just throw somebody in the lineup and hope it works out type of deal with him. Exactly. Um, and that, that's, that's going to be one of those complications we're going to be dealing with all season long. Uh, the other uh, Padres related note, CJ Abrams has made the opening day roster. You know, he is uh, a, a very exciting prospect. Question is, is he going to play every day? You've been watching, you know, obviously you track lineups. That's what you do. Uh, you've been watching how the Padres have been managing their uh, lineup so far this spring. What's, what's your take on C.J. Abrams? So I'm actually pulling up Seamus plug on the on the tracker here. I'm, I pulled it up and I don't I, I think he's going to play every day. Just I don't know where I guess. Does Kim get the boot? Kim actually didn't have a terrible spring. Right. And. By the way, Jeff, I saw the other Jeff on the comments. Thank you for the uh, kind words. But anyway, I'm, I'm ADHDing. All, like, I'm all over the place this morning. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I hear you, dude. I but, hear uh, you. Retweeting Abrams, things, listening yeah. at the same time. All good. Yeah. Abrams is, uh, he's been hitting literally at the top or at the bottom and no in between. And the, the games he's hit at the top of the lineup, it's usually with the backups in. So I'm guessing maybe more of a bottom of the lineup position to start maybe he'll platoon no they're both lefties i was gonna say maybe he would platoon with grisham at the top but maybe he still will if abrams shows to be better against lefties but i'm, I'm guessing i'm guessing kim i think what makes sense in my head what could work is cronenworth moves over to first base thus getting rid of hosmer out of the picture making Os hosmer a bench bat but the issue with that is is uh cronenworth's glove is really solid so do they want to kind of waste it at first base so I don't know how they're. I don't, I don't know if it affects Kim or Hosmer more. I'm going to guess Hosmer, but I'm obviously not confident because I don't know how much they value the defense of Cronenworth's glove. So ultimately, though, Abrams right. should play every day or will play every day. They mentioned him playing the outfield some. Maybe we'll gain some eligibility there. He's already. I'm trying to remember which eligibility he is, 
second base or short. I think he's shortstop eligibility in FBCA. I think so, too. So yeah. he could gain second base. So that's also worth noting because shortstop being so deep, second base would be a welcome addition or outfield. So uh, he played all, right field the other day. I yeah. saw that. So. Yeah, that's why it's like, so maybe he'll play, maybe he'll bounce around a little bit. Um, maybe the outfield is the best. Maybe that's another path to playing time. Maybe they want to, maybe they'll sit, um, what's his face? Uh, Myers. So, yeah. or, or, or whoever. Or Mazzaro, Profar, for that Profar. matter. Yeah, I mean, Profar, there, there, yeah. There's all these like, okay, useful, but not overwhelming yeah. options right now. Especially you take out that one Jenga piece in Tatis and you know, everything kind of looks a little worse in comparison there. It's great when, uh, you know, Will Myers is your seven hitter. Not so great when he's your five hitter exactly <laughs> yeah so uh something to watch for to see what they do uh the madison Bumgarner they're facing tonight a lefty on the mound so that may influence a little bit too about uh, whether abrams gets the run on the first on opening night or not uh, we already have our first lineup freak out uh the chicago cubs have posted their lineup and if you move push jonathan vr up in the late draft season as he was going higher and higher you're gonna freak out he's not in the lineup today he is not playing. It's Nico Horner at short. It's Nick Madrigal at second. It's Wisdom at third. Uh, Ortega is the DH and is leading off. I mean, there's no VR in that lineup. We thought, oh, yeah, he's going to get an everyday playing time job. And here we are opening day, and he's not starting. Uh, now, maybe you don't want him starting against Corbin Burns anyhow. But, uh, no, you want him starting. You want those uh, chances to get those stolen bases. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the thing was, though, is I always kind of questioned it, not necessarily because there wasn't much competition, but he's just not a good defender. Wisdom can play third base well. Horner was obviously being groomed to take over shortstop while Simmons is out. I didn't think that VR's potential for offense, which he hasn't been great offensively either, like other than a couple of fan- And of course, fantasy is what matters to us. Right. But it didn't, it was just like, I know Wisdom's not a great, I mean, obviously what, 40% K rate or whatever he had last year. So it's not like his bat was going to keep him in the lineup. Right. I just thought that there was a chance that VR wasn't an everyday player anyway, which he does, VR doesn't need to be in order to be valuable to your fantasy teams. It's just one of those things that the, the glove, the glove, I mean, again, what Hendricks is pitching today, ground ball pitcher, maybe they prefer the better glove yeah. in the infield. Stroman's going to be another one that he probably sits when, when Stroman's on the mound because Stroman's another ground ball pitcher. They probably are going to put some defenders better defenders in the field in those games maybe you see vr pinch run later and he'll still get those stolen bases which is all we really care about for fantasy but playing time might not be as secure with a couple of these pitchers that they do have that that, that depend on the ground ball type of uh defense and such yeah not happy at all i you know funny thing is in february i drafted vr in uh, mixed labor like okay i've got that covered he's my corner now i have to sit there and look that i, I could do until the first game starts this morning and it is the first game do I put him in or do I put like someone like Bobby Bradley at my corner just because I think Bradley will play more. Now I have to, now I've like, I've got uncertainty. No one <laughs> likes you, you want, you want it locked down. It's funny. Uh, so that's the first freak out of the day. I always love it. And uh, here we are. It's just, it's the first lineup. There's one, there's a curveball already thrown at us there. Cubs are chock full of guys that are better in fantasy than real life. You mentioned wisdom in his K rate. Um, you know, Frank Schwindel might be that way too. I think Schwindel doesn't strike out as as frequently, but they're also like guys that, and Ortega for that matter too, who's batting leadoff today. Um, he he's a better in fantasy than in real life, I think, because of the stolen bases. Yeah, Ortega is intriguing. I, I I think I'm watching how long the leash is with him yeah, because he had such a bad spring, and it was kind of a flash in the pan at the end of the last season as well for Ortega. So mm-hmm. I'm not 
so I mean, he's I think it's it's on him to hold on to that spot. And I think he platoons as well. Ortega's not gonna be a guy who plays against many lefties, let alone leads off against them. At least that's my initial opinion leading into the season. I'll be wrong tomorrow when they face a lefty and he's leading off probably. <laughs> Although I do think they're facing four righties. So that's right. actually I did make a note in the uh the, I released a schedule like tracker thing where my note was, well, they're facing four righties, so Ortega could lead off for four games, which could be a really big deal in terms of uh, getting some early plate appearance run this season. But stuff like that is um, like that's what I'm watching for. Uh, I think Schwindel's going to play most days. It's really just Wisdom VR Horner. I think there's going to be a little bit of a rotation, and VR is still going to factor very much in there. But it's just the Cubs, like Frazier. I even look at just look at the whole lineup. Is Frazier in today? So um, he is not, not. See, and that's so and Ortega, that was... Ortega Madrigal Contreras, Hap Schwindel Suzuki, Hayward in center, Wisdom and Horner. So Hayward's and... one of those flies in the ointment. No one wants Hayward to <laughs> yeah. play. Nobody does except for the Cubs. So and fun. with the DH and Ortega being a factor, at least early on, Frazier was a guy that I was towards the end. I was like, oh, because I have Frazier. I really do. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of Frazier. But then I'm like, they got Suzuki, which was unexpected. And then so Suzuki and Hap are going to play every day in that outfield slash DH. Ortega is going to at least get a chance to run with the with the with one of the spots for a little bit. And Hayward, like you said, is just kind of there. Like, yeah. And Frazier is known to be a better uh, hitter against lefties. I don't think he's going to strictly platoon, but playing time is going to be uh interesting early on that's one of the things that goes back to just monitoring once it starts trending in one person's favor versus the other you cut one for the other exactly exactly and so uh that that and that that that's the danger you get when you deal with a lineup of guys that are kind of quasi you know <laughs> quasi regulars to begin with there uh question in the chat here star platinum asks would you start otani the pitcher for the short week or star the hitter do you remember if he got rested the day after he pitched? No, he did not get rested the day after he pitched. I can I can assure you that that was one of the big reasons why he was so valuable last year. Um, my answer is no. I start him as a hitter still. They have four games in this short week. Uh, that's enough for me to keep using him as a hitter, especially because I don't love the matchup. I mean, he faces the Astros. Yeah, and Astros don't strike out a lot. I mean, they didn't really change their team right. at all, and they shouldn't strike out a lot. Now, Otani is better than your average pitcher, obviously, but I'm with you. You start the hitter until you can afford not to start the hitter. Exactly, exactly. And maybe there's a two-start week in there somewhere. It's going to be difficult. They have a six-man rotation. No, I was looking at the, our projected starters grid, and the Brewers also are using all six starters, uh, which – you know, if you have Burns and Woodruff, that's one less start maybe here or there that you get. That'll probably change at some point during the season, but just something to be aware of that you don't, you're not necessarily guaranteed to get as many starts from those guys as others. Absolutely. Yeah. Seattle too, for that matter. Good question, Star. Thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, but before we uh, move on and we'll talk about what the work Mike does with lineups and he's been doing uh, for a while now and he does other work too, but that's. We're going to talk lineups first, but because it is opening day. Uh, quick note from our friends at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with the user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. 
Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. I'm here with Mike Curlin. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. You can also read his work at The Athletic, also at SK Playbook, and you can listen to him on the Bases Loaded pod. Uh, let's let's talk about the, the work you've done. You know, one of the I, I met you during PitchCon a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago. Weeks ago would be weird, but uh, a couple <laughs> years ago. And you've been doing a lot of other good stuff as well. But it was around that point you were like going really aggressively. Not you're putting a lot of work in on Twitter, uh, really sh- showing a lot of work on breaking, you know, looking at these lineups, breaking down what they meant, and then putting it all together in one place. And it kind of launched you, I think. Uh, would that would that be a fair characterization? Yes, and actually, I mean, not just to kiss butt because I'm on your podcast, but you were one of the first bigger name, you know, industry types that took notice and promoted my work and gave me a platform. And then you had me on the podcast last year as well, or t- it was, I think it was 2020. It was right before, it was right after, I think it was right, it was during the, the chaos. And then, yeah, I think that's when I, st- I started it during the shortened season because there was so much happening and it was hard to keep up. Right. And then I realized, you know, more and more went into it as time went on in terms of like what exactly I looked for and all that. But yes, um, that's kind of I realized that that was in 2020. It didn't quite click that that was a good little niche to kind of own. So I kind of just did it and then still kept jumping around. And then fast forward to 2022, and I'm realizing that's just what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on lineups, but in a way that um focuses not just on lineup spot and who's hitting where, but platoons, position battles, you know, fringe roster guys that could be bench utility types, you know, like the Diego Castillos of the world that is obviously starting now because of all the injuries and just the issues with the Pirates. So um, and of course new positional stuff, positional eligibility, which is huge, especially in season when you yep. try to figure out who could gain and all that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So it's turned it was initially just like who's batting where in the lineup and how can I get these play appearances to let's try to project a little bit. Let's look at not only who can, but who will. And so there's a little bit, it's just gotten more in depth. It's almost like um, Greg Jewett, a guy that I respect a ton when it comes to closers, how he's kind of taken this infatuation and turned it into pretty much all he thinks about and talks about. And that's kind of what I'm doing with lineups. I don't focus on pitching anymore. I still give out advice and all that, but in terms of like my content and my focus, it's all about playing time, lineups, hitters. So it's really, I've hyper-focused into a certain field. So yes, it's turned into, something I thought was semi-successful to, okay, this is my thing. Now this is, I'm going to run with it and I'm going to try to own it. And I, that's it. That's just, that's just what it is now. Nice. Nice. And so, and now you can see you on a lot of different platforms. You can see you're now with the athletic. That's awesome. Big platform there. Um, and you do the SK playbook. You do that with George Montañez, uh, Roto Nino on Twitter. Uh, tell people what you, they can find on that. Yeah, so me and George, we go, we actually go way back. We started this industry into the industry together essentially. Randomly, we never met, and randomly I tweeted out into the abyss, hey, I'm starting a fantasy baseball podcast. Is anyone interested? And I didn't know what Twitter was at the time, realizing I can get a bunch yeah. of memes and a bunch of trolls, but George came out of that and a buddy of ours, Zach, as well, who's on the podcast. Uh so the three of us have been together for since 2019, and now we've decided to go ahead and start SK, uh, the SK playbook Patreon and all that. And we we're going to do, I'm going to be doing a daily Monday through Friday article as it is covering some of this stuff, but to, for, but for the Patreon we're doing, um, I'm doing daily team by team notes, essentially what I was doing in spring training, but now every day for the Patreon, I got the schedule trend thing. That's mostly for NFBC and weekly leagues. Just the idea of breaking down how many, every, just a place where everyone can see 
which teams play how many games, how many lefties, how many righties, the Monday through Thursday lefty versus righty matchups, how many games they have over the weekend. Again, more NFBC centered, but um, I'm doing that as well as the positional eligibility tracker, which I started in spring training. I'm carrying it over, but putting it as a part of the Patreon to just help with like, and these leagues again, goes back to NFBC leagues, deeper formats where we, um, where we need to know like, Hey, maybe next week. Oh, by next week, he's trending to being having this position, eligible position eligibility. Maybe I don't need to fab so much for this guy now, stuff like right. that. So it's um more of a neat, again, more of a niche corner of things, but it's just kind of taking everything I already look at, putting it on paper and hope, hoping to help people. Exactly. And then, yeah. Sorry. No, <laughs> sorry, no, no, it's all good. Uh, and so the thing is, I've noticed like there's no shortage of information out there, but it's uh, getting the right filters uh, and being able to kind of narrow the, narrow your search. And that's one of the things that you do. Uh, you know, instead of looking at every lineup myself, you can have it all in one place. Uh, and that, that's one of the things I like about that. Which I appreciate. Trust me. I mean, it's it, it's one of those things that I just like to make sure I, I really want to make sure everyone understands. I'm super grateful for all the support. It's still kind of surreal, but it's one of those things that I it's hard for me to take time to kind of reflect because I'm just always moving and busy. But uh, it's really greatly appreciated. And Jeff, you're one of the like I said, you're one of the first ones to really no, no uh, vault uh, put it into the eyes of the people. So, again, I have a lot to owe to you. And thank you for that. No problem. Uh Looking at uh, this year in particular, it had to be so difficult. It was just a fire hose of information, you know, because we had hot stove league in addition to in spring training all at the same time. And just how, how, how challenging was it for you going through spring training and, and doing your thing? Um, it had its days where it was like, okay, this is not so bad to, okay, I think I got everything. <laughs> and I would, of course, no one's perfect, but I would just, um, because not all the information like Roto World is still, or I guess NF, uh, NBC Sports Edge now, it's still the go-to place for news. I would say, like in terms of like just your t- traditional, like okay, let me. Sorry, Roto Wire. I know Roto Wire is there. No, I just one of those things that I've grown. That's the only one I've known before I knew about Roto Wire. So it's yeah, free. That's, it's also that's free. True. That's that's I, I will say that. I'm just but I will I will out. admit it's not it doesn't catch everything. So obviously because it doesn't catch everything, I start kind of just doing my own thing in terms of like trying to read articles on MLB.com mm-hmm. and the athletic. And I, I have a beat writers thing. So if you actually find me on Twitter, you'll see if you go to my list, yeah. I have a list of like 110 beat writers, I think it is now at this point. And yeah. I just I just looked through I literally just sift through that list of stuff looking for articles. And like yesterday, I was reading about Tommy Edmond not being comfortable from the left side of the plate which could explain his struggles he's working on his mechanics but now that explains why he's batting towards the bottom of the lineup probably he's going to take some time to get it together it's going to be carlson's spot to lose now and that's the type of stuff i was looking for that sure. wasn't necessarily available as a news source on uh another spot so like that's where it became more of a challenge was like kind of digging almost mining the news in a sense like Zimmerman does a great job doing that, no oh, yeah. doubt. I was just trying to find lineup. Uh, the thing is, though, is I'm, I'm looking through all this information, looking for strictly things that can affect the lineup, and that's where it got like, maybe I just need to not do it, but I don't know. It's kind of a labor of love because when I was finally done with the chart for the day, I got kind of bored. I'm like, all right, let me read more baseball because what's wrong with more baseball, right? Exactly, exactly right. Um, by the way, Cardinals lineup is out, and Carlson is indeed leading off, and Edmund is batting ninth. For what it's worth there so uh that interesting note there Pujols batting fifth we saw that teased in spring training i'm like oh that's just uh you know that thing that well they are facing a lefty so that has something to do with it there but i don't know i thought that was just kind of uh interesting no they're not it's brubaker never mind they're not facing a lefty i lied uh not the first time i've lied uh, this <laughs> uh, this year but uh at least the second um but wow that that's kind of noteworthy they and then the fun, funny thing is they have two switch hitters and seven righties against a righty. They don't have a pure lefty in that lineup. 
No, they don't. And that's why I thought, like, I'm surprised because I, I know they have Dickerson. I believe it's Dickerson that they have on the bench as a D. I thought he was going to DH more often, especially I thought it made sense to platoon Pujols and Dickerson. And that might still happen. This is the Cardinals home, home opener. You True. have to, you have to start, sure. you still have, you have to start Pujols in the Cardinals home opener, right? You have to. And bat him fifth. I feel like that's a necessity. Now, will that hold? Probably not. However, nostalgia huge ovation it's gonna be all over twitter we're gonna love it we're gonna soak it in you kidding me mm-hmm. this is one of those things that um even against unfortunately it's the pirates but if there's ever a chance to you know let him get his feet wet against the team and and let, let him get that opening day ovation that he deserves but the pirates are a good team to do that against but yeah uh, pool's fifth really i mean yeah. <laughs> i guess are. it's but- happening DeYoung in his retooled swing are batting is batting six. Uh Yachty seventh. Bader eight. You don't like it. If you have Bader in a lot of places, you don't like seeing that. And certainly you don't like seeing Edmund Knight. Now you can still run out of the nine hole. You just you're just getting fewer plate appearances. That's all. No, absolutely. And the issue with Edmund is that you're kind of banking on co- compilation in terms of compiling stats. Like I would think that's yeah. part of his skill set. And you take away the fact that he might not run as much because he's not going to have as much opportunity initially paired with losing across the board in his other categories that really hinders his production and potential upside for, for value. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, I'm going to ask Mike his three big uh, observations from looking at lineups this spring. But before we do that, yeah, I got a quick note from better edge bet against others with no fees involved. That's right. No pesky hidden fees to ruin your day. Better Edge is a social betting marketplace where there's no fee on each transaction. Better Edge is a social betting marketplace, and chances are it's legal in your state. We bring we bring betting back to its social roots where you can like, comment, and challenge other users all within the app. Play without getting played at Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com to sign up today. Big thanks to Better Edge for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, here with Mike Curlin, he's been doing the lineup analysis. Mike, I, I, I warned you I was going to ask you, what are your three big observations from looking at lineups this spring? There's so many, but I got to be a homer here and pull up the Marlins a little bit. Um, okay. Just because I thought when Solaire, and maybe it's still changed because Solaire did get kind of a late start to camp and all that, all things considered, but Solaire led off all but one start where he batted third. And that one start he batted third, it wasn't even Chisholm that moved up to the off spot. It was Jesus Aguilar, who I think might have just been getting reps. But Jesus Aguilar also hits lefties well, so it was against a lefty. But so does Solaire. I don't know. Anyway, my point was, I guess, is Chisholm at – you know, we all kind of assumed at the very least it was gonna be a leading, he was gonna lead off against righties because right. we know he struggles against lefties a little bit, blah blah blah. However, um, after Solaire signed, he n- never saw above fifth in the lineup the rest of spring. And maybe once. I, I it looks like not it looks like Solaire's first was the sa- I'm just I'm looking at the chart right now. Sorry, I'm trying trying to sure, sure, quickly quickly come up with it. But it looks like since Solaire started appearing in lineups, I shouldn't say science, they started appearing in lineups. Chisholm never hit above fifth. And in the lineups he batted fifth, they weren't even full lineups. So there's that possibility as to why. But um Chisholm in the last full lineup we saw from the Marlins batted seventh against a lefty. Uh hit ninth against a righty the day before that in a semi in a mostly full lineup as well. I think that seven on nine range might stick for him. And then if you go look at his stats, Chisholm did continue to strike out issues in spring, eleven strikeouts and thirty-four plate appearances. However, with Chisholm, you know, the tools are there. So if he can have like a solid line drive rate and the plus speed, you saw Tyler O'Neill, although O'Neill has that power tool. O'Neill had the elite uh, line drive rate and really good barrel skills and the speed. Players can outperform 
expectations and strikeout issues if they have that those types of skills. And I think Chisholm is toolsy enough to outperform what he might end up doing in terms of uh, strikeout strikeout issues. But until we see him move up the lineup, it's almost like Edmund. You have to ding him a little bit across the board in the other stats. However, I think the power and speed will still play for Chisholm. It's just the rest of those stats and the batting average are all question mark now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, kind of shaky jazz, not smooth jazz. So, um, yeah, I, you know, sorry. No, I'm not I, sorry. I appreciate Listen, I, I'm, I'm not, not just sorry. laughing. It's not a pity yeah. laugh. I love dad jokes. I will never, yep. and my kids hate them too. So it makes me like them more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How old are your kids? Um, I have three. I had them young. So I have, let's see, a 13 year old already. Um, I'm, I'm turning 32. So you could do the math. Um, wow. uh, a 10 year old and a five year old, okay, all boys. Are- Mine are 17 and 15, th- two girls, uh, and I started older. Uh, so that, you, Happy I'll meeting. let you do reverse math there, but uh, as far as that goes. All right, observation number two. Oh, number two. So sticking with the NL East, unfortunately, because it just happens to be top of mind, but Dansby Swanson. I knew that, I think it was I think it was always known he could end up at the bottom of the order, but I thought initially he would lead off with this was back before they this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm talking so fast, I'm so excited. Um, the thing <laughs> is here with the Braves is that they didn't have half this roster prior to the lockout ending. Right. So we're drafting, we're drafting, we're drafting, and Swanson's like, okay, there looks like a top five spot pretty, you know, almost guaranteed for him. And then they sign Rosario. They trade for Olsen. They like Darno's healthy, and not that Darno's really factoring in here, but it's enough to be like, okay, the it's starting to pile up now. And Acuna's going to return maybe a little sooner than we anticipated. He's already taking spring training reps. I think are in the minors. He was doing a. I remember him. He, I think he played a simulated game or something. Yeah. So oh, and Azuna's back too. Like he got the you know he got the green light. So all these things piled up. Next thing you know. Oh no, where's Swanson going to bat? I thought he would lead off to start the year, but now it looks like Rosario is in the driver's seat for that. It goes back to Chisholm and Edmund. If Swanson's batting at the bottom of the lineup, a guy you expect to compile, yes, injuries and and all that can pile up possibly, but this isn't a team when you look at, you think it's injury prone. Acuna's coming back from injury. I understand maybe he, there's a setback there, but Rosario, Olsen, Riley, Ozuna, Albies, Duvall, not exactly injury prone players. So the path to playing, moving up versus uh, with, with the path to moving up the lineup via injury isn't as likely in my eyes looking at this team. So I don't know what to expect. Again, another guy that just falls right in line with the Chisholm concerns and the Edmund concerns. Who plays center field when Acuna comes back? Uh, you don't think Acuna State maybe Duvall? Duvall has the glove. I don't know if he has the speed. I'm not too... I know he's got the arm, and I know he's got, you know, but I don't know about his own rating. And I mean, I, I just don't know. If I, I, I don't range. know. Yeah, I don't know if he's got the range. That's why I, was, I, I don't know about the, I said speed, but I don't know about the speed. I, I know the gloves there and the arm you mentioned. Um, He's, yeah. he played there last, he's been playing there, looks like most of spring training. Yeah, Duvall's pretty much started almost exclusively at spring training, during spring training in center field. So he I has. guess that's our answer. Um, all, but, all but one game, it looks like. Yeah, because I mean, Heredia is not going to play much once Acuna comes back. No, so and, pa- and Pache's gone much. too. Yep. So that'll be uh, one of those things we'll be kind of watching for a little bit there, but uh, to see what happens. Okay. Observation number three from spring training lineup analysis. So the overall, this one was more of a a wide casting a wide net, but um, positional eligibility. I don't, I mean, I didn't realize there were so many players playing new positions this spring and that could be a product of spring training. I get that, but Mm -hmm. it caused me to make me realize, you know what, maybe we should be monitoring this more closely in season, which people do, but I didn't personally, it was one of those things that, so maybe for me, this is like a, huh, I need to pay closer attention because you go into a fab weekend, you have three middle infielders, three middle infielders all injured, but wait, you have a guy that's only corner infield eligible, but he's out, he's at like nine games and you realize, Oh, 
you could get that 10th game. I might not need to fab as hard for a middle infielder. That's the type of stuff I'm trying to get out here. And position eligibility, I think, is something we um, I'm going to be focusing on a little more entering the year. I think the I think the Guardians have already said Rosario for instance, since Ahmed Rosario. Shortstop is super deep. Outfield could thin out a little quicker. If you got Rosario as a middle infielder, he might be able to gain eligibility in the outfield sooner than later. So it was noticeable that he was playing a lot in spring training out there. And it looks like opening day, he's going to be starting out there, according to reports last night. So I think positional eligibility really caught my attention. Again, the list I, I compiled over spring from big names to no names was like over 60 players. So um, I made a chart of like where they played, where they're eligible, where they played, how many games they played there, just to see which ones are more likely. And um, that's the kind of the thing I want to see how much of that carries over and see if it was more like just trying it out or this is like legitimate and it can alter how you draft. It can alter how you fab. I think there's a lot of things that are good out of paying attention to who plays where and how often. That's right. That's right. Um, um, and that, that's one of those things that, you know, at, 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 you start to get a few injuries here and there. They start to add up. It becomes super important. Or you start looking at, you know, the, the dreaded five-game week or the two-game half week if you're playing the NFBC. These are things that uh, you, you really need to know, and it really helps you out quite a bit. Absolutely. All right. Um, you tweeted uh, this before uh, last night, and I, I use this as a good spicy take to promote the pod. Uh, but you said this is the year Byron Buxton puts it all together, stays healthy. If he doesn't, then you'll finally quit him. Um, how many uh, how many leaks do you have, Buxton? So I looked and I thought it was more, but um, it's I play a lot of draft champions formats, so I diversified sure. a lot. I only have them in three, but I have them in two of my I have them in my two of my three biggest leagues. So okay. it's it's more of a quality over quantity with Buxton. But um, I'm in a five hundred dollar tag team league with uh, Waxman. In the yep. battle, uh, in that, in that, so in that tag team league, we we, we got bucks in the third. We actually jumped ADP before it started getting jumped that week. That main event before it's cool to jump ADP. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we jumped, we jumped, <laughs> in, we jumped them in the early third. We jumped them in the early third before ADP went crazy. It was literally before main event weekend, and then um, I jumped them in the third or fourth of an OC, which was still above ADP when I got them. And then my buddy uh, Simeon, Michael Simeon, a good friend of mine, we joined an OC together. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe this was right before the hype kind of started kicking in totally. I'm like, I'm going to take a chance, maybe get him in the fourth. And Simeon took him in the third. We picked back to back. He didn't even let me get a chance to think about him in the fourth. In the third round, he took him there. So um, so I hold, but yeah, I'm, again, I put my money where my mouth is on this one. I'm, I know the skills are there. It's always been a health thing with him, but I'm, this is it. This is the final final straw the final chance I'm, I'm in and if i get burned i'm done i'm done I, there's no forgiving him this is one of those players I'll, I'll never forgive i don't care if he does it next year and stays healthy i'm i don't care i'll be out and I, I'm, I'm done i'm just done i don't have them uh in any league and it's always because there's someone there's a jumper in every league it's either although except for one league toby got him uh in the main i don't know if you saw that but uh draft in the same league as bat flip crazy toby uh gavin and uh guavin and he was ba- you know buxton slipped to pick 50 not well 58 and i was so focused on getting will smith and then an ace because i didn't have a starting pitcher i forgot that mr buxton was right there hanging hovering like an angel and i let him go i wasn't even considering him there and then after he went i was like oh yeah buxton yeah that would have been nice and he's speed that would have been fun <laughs> um but uh anyway so we'll we'll see what happens with that uh we have a dissenter uh he is made of glass uh so we'll see i mean i you're right he is he has been he's been a little unlucky too got plunked on his last time uh so that that was kind of a bit of a bummer there um who's your most rostered player 
Um, or because of, I was going to say because of all the draft champions leagues I did, uh, I laughed when I looked at that. It was uh, Matt Manning, Spencer Howard, and uh, Roberto Perez. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, because that, you go up with the, the same guys coach. in the end game, sure. Yeah. So, um, but outside of that, I diversified so much. So, I guess one of the more mid tier guys, I have sixty or fifty percent roster ship of uh, Stroman. And a lot of it is the innings for me with him. It's um, I know it's not a sexy or flashy name, but mm-hmm. in DC again, DCs, uh, I did a lot of NFBC fifties as well. The innings just made sense around the way I built. I would take a little bit of a, like maybe a McClanahan as my SP three, back him up with a Stroman. I took a Pablo uh, Lopez share in one league. I backed him up with Marcus Stroman. It was, it was, it was a constant, like I'm going to pair a volatile arm with this guy. I know is going to pitch like 180 plus given a fluke injury because if you look back at his history outside of uh obviously taking 2020 off he pitches almost in the year and there's sneaky upside with there with the strikeouts i know he pitches the contact a lot but if you look at last year you know he had a new pitch last season i know he's working on something else because he always does but he also um he had like career best i think i think it's career best or was up there with a uh, swing strike rate and oh swing so he induced more more swing and miss and more chases maybe there's a chance for him to be closer to a k per inning although i'm not going to bank on it so i think there's a slight pot, pot potential for upside there with stroman paired with we know what the floor is so that's why i end up with a lot of stroman but again it goes back to the league formats and types i play that's why i end up so much stroman okay makes sense um mine are dylan carlson uh, nice. Got, I have seven of my 10 NFBC leagues plus, or is it seven of 11? Excuse me. Uh, plus I, I, I have them in mixed labor and I have them in Yahoo. No, I, do I have them in Yahoo friends family? Of course I do. Uh, <laughs> because uh, yeah, I, I made, yeah, I, I took him at the 10, 11 turn. Yes. I got him at 151 there. I, I often will get him in the 135 to 150 range. That's frequently where I get him. Uh, so that, that Luis Garcia, the, the Astros edition, um, uh, Eric Lauer and <clears throat> Dansby Swanson that we were talking about earlier there, but uh, <laughs> that's why it's like, Oh no. Uh, but I, you know what? My argument with Dansby is he did a lot of what he did last year, despite the same lineup situation. He was batting towards the bottom of the order in the second half of the season. Anyhow, even in the world series, he was batting eighth, I think. Yeah, I saw that. I noticed that I, I did look at Swanson and it's funny that like, although I was hopeful he would get more played appearances and playing time, it was the, uh, it's the fact that he hits best, I believe from the sixth and ninth spot, not in between from the sixth or the ninth in his career so far, where like the only two spots in the lineup, he's posted a WRC plus of at least a hundred, which I think we all, I mean, we all know a hundred is league average, but I'm pretty sure right. it was a little, but it was above average. Obviously it was, but I'm saying a hundred because I can't quote the exact lowest number between the two. So I did look at that and realize, okay, so he's probably better off batting down there i i think we were hoping for six though not ninth and that's the problem that's where the that's where the issue came in like you bat on six that's still more plate appearances and better rbi opportunities now ninth ninth isn't the death sentence it once was for nl hitters or eighth or you know there's no pitcher so it's not like he's completely you know messed up in terms of runs and all that it's just you know less i just i hate i hate it's when i when i say this and i'm concerned i want to maybe i should reiterate or iterate for the first time that a lot of this is comes down to being a um when I'm like a tiebreaker, like if I'm torn between Swanson and somebody else, I look at play, I'll look at where they're hitting the lineup. No, like, it matters. Well, who has it absolutely more? matters, but I don't want to overemphasize it's it's how much it matters. Cause as much as I love lineups, I understand it's only part of the big puzzle and you yeah. shouldn't, you sh- it shouldn't overly, it affects your, it does affect um, how you project the player. I get that, but it also, um, it shouldn't be like the be all end all. Like you look at this, there's, you know, we all know injuries. It's baseball. We know 
things mm-hmm. happen. He could easily move his way up by midseason. It's just one of those things that you can't project necessarily with this lineup specifically. So Swanson was a guy like I was really in on, but then I found other reasons like Ahmed Rosario was a guy that I kind of jumped up in my ranks. And because of how I personally ranked him, I got Ahmed a lot more later in draft season than Swanson. So that's where it became, it affected my drafts was where I was in on him. Then I was more in on other guys and the other guys would still go later. So I just kind of pivoted. Yeah, but, um, yeah it's, I think it's more of a tiebreaker personally. I even again, I as someone who pumps this content out, I still think I use it more as, as a tiebreaker than a complete reason to be out, except right. for with Edmund. Except for with Edmund, I was fading him all draft season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. I, I mean, you could even look at the top end. Uh, you could look at uh, you know, Kyle Tucker. Is he gonna bat second? Is he I gonna hope. bat six? You know, they're, they're, that's a pretty big difference. Um, and when you're when you're when you're thinking about taking the seventh player in the overall in the draft, it really makes a difference. Absolutely. And that, and luckily, it looks like Dusty finally got got it through his head that we all wanted to see him at the top of the order because it was it was looking really, really like, oh, no, here we go again. It's going to take an injury. But the last two lineups, we did get Kyle Tucker batting second. Yes, so maybe 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 it'll stick. Maybe it was reps. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go with my gut and say it sticks. But well, I mean, it's Dusty. For all we know, Brantley will be back there next game because it, Brantley is the, the, the vet who's safe. You know, it's exactly. a Dusty Baker guy. Exactly. But, well, I just completed a draft with you where you did draft seven. Now, Kyle Tucker is already gone. That's the Yahoo Friends and Family draft. We're going to talk about that. But first, our final final advertising note for this podcast from Vivid Seats and then the, the Blue Wire Network ads as well. Baseball is back. That's right. An entire glorious season, all 162 games. And with live events resuming, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. Every backdoor slider, every round tripper, every doubleheader can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Just buy, collect stamps, and redeem. It's that easy. From behind the dugout to the upper level, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the games that matter to you. Pro tip, buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free ticket even faster. It's like getting going to Starbucks, getting those drinks. You know, every time you buy a drink, you get a reward. Same thing with Vivid Seats. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Big thanks to Vivid Seats. Also, we always have a star podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Our thanks to them right now by playing their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. Thanks for uh, your indulgence with the ads. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Mike Curlin. Mike and I participated in the Yahoo Friends and Family Draft. It's an awesome league. Scott Pianowski hosts it uh, you know, from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. It's unique because, for me, it's my one of two daily moves leagues, the other being an auto-new league that I'm in. Uh, it's it's 15 people. We've had as many as 16 before in the past. Uh, great expert league. There's an there's a innings cap. or not inning, Yeah, there's an innings cap, 1,400 innings. Really hard to reach it with only 70 moves allowed, though, even with daily pickups. Mike, this is your first year in the league. How'd you how'd you feel about the draft? Um, <laughs> I'm a little torn. I think I aimed for I had too much of an overall aspect in mind. So I took a lot of speed, didn't focus enough on power. I think I mean I did kind of hit power hard when I did swing mm-hmm. at swing for power, but um I kind of took I took shots on upside. I definitely took advantage of having an IL for the first time this offseason. Yes. So, yeah. I did. I did take a Cunha in the second, which I thought was a gift considering his ADP all of all of you know towards the end of draft season. And again, having an IL, I'm surprised Cunha fell. But all things considered, I think I'm gonna be okay, especially in saves. Even though I didn't necessarily get a second closer, I really liked. I played the spec game and I grabbed Robertson, Stratton, and I actually had some uh, Holland. But then I dropped him this morning for Alcala. I don't usually take advantage of daily moves openly open format like that. But I'm like, let me spec on a guy I think is better than Holland. So yeah. but here's the problem. You mentioned it. I've already used three moves because I put two guys on the IL opened up two spots on my bench. And now I made a third move this morning. I got to chill. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is I well, and the thing is, though, but then again, getting that closer uh, that might get, you know, all season long, it's important. And you're going to see it. It's weighted early. And then some people will slow down, but you know, it's a long season. Also, you're going to, some people, you might get some attrition there uh, that, you know, okay, I can't do this every single day, but then setting your lineups, maxing out the, uh, the at-bats each slot, you know, you're allowed 162 games per slot. So for me, I wanted to get as many at-bats early and then turn around and get to, you know, for that. Well, I actually, I didn't, I got like five start five pitchers early, but point is I wanted to get enough at every position that I could, uh, you know, fill out that, uh, fill out that and max out the number of uh, plate appearances. Cause it's a counting stats game. That's one of the things with daily moves. You got to make sure those spots are filled if, as best you can. And and that's the issue. There's only what four or five bench four four bench spots. So it's, yep. you have to get to pick and choose. Do you want to attack innings? Do you want to attack at bats? You kind of have to play that game all season long. Like, all right, it's been like three weeks. Let me go ahead and drop some of these bench pitchers for some bench hitters and try to get the at bats there. Um, yep. That's why I have one bench hitter right now and all pitchers because a I'm specking on saves. If I can get a second closer and these other guys don't pan out, I have two more spots to play with. But I picked up Luis Arias, who's not very sexy or flashy, but he'll play most days and bat in the middle of the order, which is weird. I never thought I'd say that about Arias, but it goes back to play appearances. I know he'll get them, and I know he'll get yep. a good amount batting towards the top of the Twins lineup. So he's my only bench guy, and the positional flexibility of being able to play him between second, third, and outfield on a daily basis when he is in, that'll make up for some of the holes that I'll have as, you know, as players, you know, postponements happen like today or yeah. get just random days off. So I'm trying to play the. He's going to, I'm trying to, I figured he'll play most days for me because between days off and all that, plus get the innings early. I was with you. I'm kind of like 
I'm thinking innings early might be the way to go for me because it's such a deep league pitching. It's going to be hard. Like, people are going to beat me to the waiver wire. It's not going to be easy to just pick up pitching. I feel like hitting, there's always a pop-up guy. Plus, I know my strength is monitoring lineups and all that. So, obviously, I'll be like, oh, this guy's getting playing time. Harold Ramirez, come on down. If I don't know if he's there available, but I think that's going to play to my strengths more is, you know, streaming hitters and pitchers, but we'll see. Indeed. Indeed. So, you got the uh, seventh spot. Uh, we you had you you had a little bit of a curveball because Gray from Rasball took Kyle Tucker at six, leaving you a choice between Harper and Cole, uh, or or anybody else for that matter. Uh, was it Harper all the way for you once that happened, or was there another option for you? I considered strongly the pitching side of things. I just haven't. I honestly don't have enough Harper this year. I love Harper. I'm a really big. I'm a believer. In, I think what we saw last year is going to follow through into this year. So MVP Harper. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see close to that production again. That lineup around him has gotten even better. So there's going to be that much more of. A, there's going to be that many more times that players are on base, and he should see better pitching, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really in on Harper. So it wasn't much. And plus, I always like to go hitter in the first round. It's just it, I just do. I really thought you know what I'll go hitter. And then I'll, I was thinking about ace in the second and then closing a third. And that's it. this draft did not go that direction at all No, <laughs> for me. But, yes, uh, so, I, so I, I decided I was like, I'm going to go Harper. I wanted some Harper exposure. And plus, I, I, um, I, had, I have enough Cole slash Burns. Those are the two I usually alternate between the top. I had mm-hmm. enough of those guys, so I decided to just go with the hitter I don't have a lot of. All right. Very good. Uh, and yeah, so you just kind of deferred everything around because Acuna was there for you. You went in your ace in the third Sandy Alcantara wearing that Mar- uh, Marlins hat right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a <laughs> gift? Were you pretty excited to get Alcantara at 37? No, it's my first. It's my first time having them. I, really? <laughs> yeah, because I usually get Giolito there. Another, I think Giolito was gone, right? Or did yeah. I take? Uh, yeah. So I usually get Giolito and others there, but I was like, this again, this was my final draft. I'm like, let me get some guys I like and have no shares of. So Acuna was my first share as well. So I got I got Acuna on the team, on this team, I got Alcantara, but at the same time, I believe in them. So it was a fun, like it was a fun FOMO slash FOMO like, draft. Yeah. It was a FOMO Love draft, it. but it was also a FOMO draft that I was like excited about because these are guys I really wanted. And these are the leagues I really want them in. Cause if they have any struggles, it's a quick cut bait and grab a guy off the waiver wire. Or, you know, like, that's a, so I'm like, I like this, especially with Acuna, if he has a setback or something. But there's an IL spot, like I mentioned, that was another big deal, big reason why I was happy to get him. But, uh, yeah, so far, so good. I'm really happy with how the team started. And then, like I said, kind of just took what was given to me from there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, by the way, Giolito went pick 28, just to confirm there. Uh, that's what I was scrolling around looking at while you were talking. But, uh, yeah, um, so, you, yeah, you, you didn't have a choice on him. Uh this is some interesting names. Jeremy Pena got him in round 20. Now, almost picked 300, 294. Uh, he's getting a lot of positive buzz. Our buddy Rob Silver has been talking him up. Or people have been mentioning that Rob Silver is drafting him, so then he had to talk him up. But as the case, maybe. Uh, give, me, give me your insight on Jeremy Pena. Everything I read about him, everyone, I, there wasn't much of a minor league track record to look into. I saw some power and speed combinations. So right there, that intrigued me with Pena. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he put up like double digit home runs and five stone bases in limited time last year, if I remember correctly. And yeah. for Pena, and that's right there enticing enough. And now you throw in the fact that he's going to play every day. But again, bottom of the lineup. However, that, that lineup spot doesn't matter when you're drafting a guy in the 20th round. <laughs> so like I want upside there. And that's where the power speed played into my head i'm like man he's so excited and you, you're hearing all these guys these veterans i forgot there's two people i've seen quotes about how good this kid's gonna be and they let korea walk and it doesn't seem like they put up much of a fight especially considering no. 
the, the contract they signed, I feel like that's very much would have been a very pro Astros contract. Like if they gave that out, I don't think he would have not signed with them. And it feels like a good move for them. So they must obviously have belief in, in, in Pena. So all things considered, when I saw him sitting there, I was like, sweet, I'll take this upside play. But again, more power speed. I probably should focus more on one or the other, mostly power. But it was just I love upside in these leagues in these four again in formats where I can literally make a move any moment. I love taking upside because I don't have to wait for the week the end to end to drop them. Yeah, and at that point too, you're just looking for good players, guys that mm-hmm. can do something, anything, and you know, you know, it's not an overall contest, so you don't, you know, balance know. is nice, but it's not necessary. It's not an absolute, and you can trade, so uh, you get a little extra of one category, uh, a little less of another, mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine. You got Jesus Sanchez. That was annoying to me. Um, not that <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I could have taken taken him earlier. I mean, he goes earlier sometimes, but point is i'm big on jesus sanchez i I think uh i I think a lot highly of him and i i've seen i've seen him go higher and higher in drafts too lately yes and sanchez was a guy that i remember i needed power i saw him sitting there he was kind of buried in the adp in ranks so i'm like here's upside and power potential um you know he hit 14 home runs and just 251 i think played appearance yeah play appearances i just pulled up his fangrass page and then the the ad popped up um sorry uh so, yeah, we're talking about a guy who put up 14 home runs in just that short amount of time. I don't think that he'll keep that pace up necessarily, but the fact that we know that the power upside is there for Sanchez was a big reason why when I saw him there, I was like, I got to scoop him. I need power. So I think this team, again, has like has a lot of upside to it. The I floor agree. is kind of low. The floor, the floor can bottom out, though, if, you know, if Pena, if Sanchez, if uh, other guys like that I have on the team don't pan out. I have Jazz Chisholm. I was like, okay, like it could it could easily bottom out, but I'm hoping to kind of get ahead in steals and then trade some away. I'm not gonna, I'll be upfront about that. I think trading for power is easier than trading for speed, and I didn't go so reliant on speed that I'm gonna be like, people are gonna be like, oh well, he obviously has too much. I'm I can lowball him. I'm gonna be a guy that I think I balanced my team out well enough to where I should get a good enough, decent enough little. I think towards the top in steals, hopefully, to where I, I can still get a decent power bat in return, probably in the second half. You are the anti-Nick Crawl of fantasy. You didn't want to eliminate the peaks and valleys. You accentuated the peaks and valleys. So uh, there you go. As I like to say about the Reds, what peaks? Uh, there are no peaks. Tyler Naquin. not a pink. Peak. Tyler Naquin uh, season, man. I love that guy. Uh, batting second. I noticed yes. that. Uh, so yeah, could be could be good for them. Uh, although Max Fried on the mound today probably won't be that. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, be, be that way today. Uh, but we'll see about that. Jonathan India leading off still for the the Reds. I I I don't think I have any Jonathan India in my life, and I feel like I might regret that. I think I have a single team with him on there, and that's why it's like I'm. Not, I can't say I was like all in on him, but it was one of those guys I made sure to get at least one of in a, in a DC. I think we saw in terms of the the, play, the the profile, in terms of being patient, the plate and all that, I really buy into. So that kind of always intrigues me when it comes to a player that can still double digits, gets the hit in that ballpark. And we'll be leading off like it was just it was a, I felt like a high floor play. You know, that's what I felt like. I felt like there's a solid floor there of five categories, at least four and a half category production because RBIs won't be strong. But right. I don't know. I think he's just solid. I think he is what he is. I think last year kind of is what you should expect. I don't think there's much more to the ceiling there. I think you're probably right about that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I don't like the team context around. But I still love Joey Votto. My, my love for him is pure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Reds lineup, not so much as a whole there, but, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Mike, I know you're a busy, man. I appreciate you jumping on with me today on opening day. Happy opening day. Thanks for coming on today. Oh no. Thanks for having me. It was a blast and, uh, look forward to seeing some games getting started here. 
Exactly. All right, everybody, that is going to conclude today's uh, Rotowire podcast. We still have Clay and Todd tomorrow. Uh, and hopefully you listen to all the podcasts. James Anderson with his prospect pods on Wednesday are also awesome. We want to thank, uh, of course, WinBet for their sponsorship. We'll be back at you again tomorrow with Clay and Todd. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.